Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that came out this week. And also, we're going to do one of your requests. We've been asking all of you to drop a rating over on Apple Podcasts, five stars, and then in the comment section, five stars, five stars. in the comment section, All request something, an old book, a graphic novel, something that we haven't reviewed in a while or maybe missed. And in this case, Jolly Man 444 asked us Ooh. to cover Batman Universe by Brian Michael Bendis and Nick Darrington. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show, but let's kick it off with the new stuff first, starting with Do a Power Bomb. Do a Power Bomb! Number oh, one man. from Image Comics by Daniel Warren Johnson. I'll tell you what, I'm going to say this up front here. We love Daniel Warren Johnson on the show totally because of Pete. I think He like, brought him into our fold. Yes, he brought him into our fold, but usually when I'm arranging the stack when I'm arranging the books of the stack I'm like okay we'll hit a you know big event DC book or Marvel book and then if it was a big DC book we'll put a Marvel book after that and if it's a Marvel book we put a DC book you know etc you get the idea so usually like an image or a boom or whatever will end up third just by the nature of that sort of thing and when I was putting it together, I initially had do a power bob pretty high it up anyway because I knew Pete would talk to talk about it. And as soon as I read it, I was like, "No, this is, this has to go first. That's how we got to talk about this. Right this is away. how good this book is Hell because yeah. this is another to use a cross sports metaphor slam dunk by Daniel Warren Johnson. All right, well, uh, just real quick before we dive into it, Alex, you don't have to um, preload sports metaphor when you say the term slam dunk. We as people. No, I'm just saying we're talking about a wrestling book. I should do some sort of wrestling metaphor, but I can't think of it. This is a total TKO. What do you say? Oh, my God. That's not right either. This is a real half Nelson of a book. Oh, my God. (laughs) You mean the Ryan Gosling movie? Yep. This is a real La La Land. Oh, my God. All right. Pete? Let's fucking get into this. All right. First off, like, I was super nervous about this because... You know, I liked wrestling back in the day, you know what I mean? But I'm not watching it a ton anymore. I mean, my interest kind of peaks and, and valleys in it. Every once in a while, I'll watch it, you know. Um, but uh, I wouldn't say I'm a huge wrestling fan. So I was a little worried that, like, oh, maybe I won't like this book because of the subject matter or whatever. Uh, but holy shit, is this great. I mean, just emotional like so many twists and turns the art is unfucking believable it uh, uh it draws you in right from the start and never lets go of you if i didn't know better i would think that pete uh daniel warren johnson is some sort of wish you made some sort of uh, 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 a dream you're having because um, this guy writes books for you. This yeah. is like so over the plate. It's super emotional. It's super oh upsetting. Mm-hmm. And his art is like has this – it's a very comic booky style that he does. Yeah, but it yourself. adds this – It's not a, that's not a slam. I like comic books. Um, I have 17 years of backlog on this podcast to prove it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, it has a real – like a gritty realism to it that I feel like draws you in deeper despite the fact that it's not hyper-realistic art to begin with. Yeah. This is – so I know we're kind of bouncing around what the concept is. And part of it is like, I don't even want to spoil the concept because that's yep. part of the journey you go on in the first issue. But it starts off with this wrestler in a match. She has a daughter that she's dedicating her match to. I think we can say that things start to go a little wrong there. But and then there are, like we're saying, many twists and turns there. But maybe this isn't exact, but this book struck me as like, what if Pixar did an adult swim show is kind of what it's like because what? it just hits oh. you. Well, because it just hits you with like, 
that hits you right in the gut with emotion right at the beginning, but there's just wild visuals throughout and yeah. it's great. It, the, it's so the, good. The angles and the panel designs for the action is just mm-hmm. so beautiful. I mean, with the live wrestling, you can't get some of the perspectives uh, and some of the angles on some of the moves like this. And it's, it's clearly done through a fan's eyes and there's a ton of love uh, for the sport in this book. It is just one of those, I don't care what you're doing. Stop and get this book because it is uh, going to be unbelievable. A bunch of doctors are in the middle of surgery. I right don't now. Just be careful. <laughs> be careful with what you're requesting. I want to talk more about this, but again, I don't want to spoil the experience for anybody. And then go to the comic book store. It'll be fine. (laughs) The the thing that I will very vaguely say, though, is in a very different way. I know we talk a lot on this show about the jump scare that happens early on in Lock and Key that Gabriel Rodriguez did so brilliantly. That is so hard to do in comics because to pace it out properly for a horror jump scare like that is very hard. There's a moment that is not a horror jump scare, but in this book where it's the same sort of thing where the way it's paced out, it hits you so suddenly what's happening and so viscerally that is incredibly hard to do, if not impossible to do in a comic book, but it works brilliantly here. By a guy, the end of the book, though, I was like cackling with glee when he finally oh, reveals no. the concept. Dude, I was so fired You're a cackler. Yeah. I was, <laughs> after I read that totally last natural. panel, I yep. was so fired up, I had to walk away from my desk a little bit. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I need a, t- a moment, man. It is, uh, it gets you, man. Did you go get a snack? Like a little snack on that moment? Uh, I maybe sure. I don't remember. I was kind of blacked out. <laughs> Go check your kitchen, Pete. There's gonna be wrappers everywhere, Pete. Snack oh attack. Wrappers, empty bottles. Oh my god. Anyway, in case you can't tell, this book is damn near perfect. Definitely pick it up. Next up, Hulkling and Wicked, number one from Marvel, written by Josh Trulio, art by Jody Nishijima. Kick it off, or continuing, I guess, Marvel's Pride coverage. That's the wrong word. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if that's quite the... It is a way, in a way, What's I guess. What's up, everybody? This is Joe Marvel, and I'm here covering Pride. Joel. First up, Hulkling Let's look at this Wicked. next book. This next book that's driving past us right now is beautiful. <laughs> really lovely art. Art that really matches the characters. I'm loving it. Let's talk it down. Toss it to Mary Hart, who's down on the ground. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Is this comic books we're announcing all right? Well, anyway, Hulkling versus Wicked is one of my favorite couples in comics. They're very delightful, very sweet to each other. They are now in space as Hulkling is the emperor of the Kree Shi'ar joined empires, I believe, and Wiccan is is uh, king, husband. queen, husband. I don't know what the exact title is. I think but, he's like the first man. Consort? Yeah, is there that you the go. Right term? Consort, sure. Uh, but as it is in this issue, they're super happy. They have a great uh, dinner with all the other gay characters of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. <laughs> Which, on its surface, I'm like, wait a second. But actually, it's really nice. <laughs> Here's the thing. this That specific thing, because he invites North Star and his husband, they invite North Star and his husband as well as Iceman, and they're all having dinner together talking it struck me how far we have come with this because i always think back to and we've talked about a million times when north star came out in comics and he's in the middle of a fight he's like i am a gay man with aids and yeah. I, I even at the time i was like oh my god like, please, that doesn't you, seem bro, right yeah what like what you were like 12 then Zalman, you were like you're whoa dude 100 really <laughs> so the fact that now we can have those characters come and interact with each other and it actually feels natural and is cute and fun and this whole comic book is about hulkling and wicked ending up in a mystical what if scenario of what if they had ended up with other people and uh, spoiler maybe working their way back to each other maybe not i don't know you'll have to well, read it, take it easy but i that. thought this was a really delightful sweet special that i really enjoyed reading uh, i agree and i i meant it seriously when i was uh, uh, at the beginning um i do think the art matches this book in such a nice way it, it's very like uh sort of fairy tale-esque in a cool yeah, way it's got and- a she-ra feel to it yeah. Um, and I also want to say something we talked about last week uh, was um, the uh, legacy of the Brian Michael Bendis bringing the young X-Men to the present and how we'd all sort of forgotten it, oddly, because mm-hmm. uh, we were reviewing champions. And yeah. I think the only real legacy from that is Iceman coming out, right? 
that mm-hmm. that came so. out of that run uh, as the because the way it worked was young Iceman was like I think I'm gay and older Iceman was like oh I I feel weird of you saying that basically and then he had to reconcile his own choices in sexuality like right there in the moment which was sort of a wild uh, <laughs> plot choice or character choice yeah but I think I, I love it as a sort of the who Iceman is now. Yeah. Pete, what did you think about this book? Yeah, I thought, it, I mean, a, a lot of what you're saying is true. That's why I just didn't want to repeat it. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great uh, love story. The art really sets up this kind of magical world that they're in, this kind of power couple. And but then kind of really deals with some interesting ideas and, uh, you know, pushes them. And hopefully they pass this test and uh, we'll continue to reign together. Uh, but yeah, just really a well done character piece and some really uh, adorable uh, stuff here. So I'm I'm rooting for him. Yeah, let's. You know, I'm sick and tired of Marvel's Pride coverage. We've been watching it too much. You guys want to flip over to DC and what's going on with their coverage of Pride over the course sure. of the month? Sure. I don't know what you mean by this coverage stuff. But uh, right. It's a weird thing I said, and I'm just following up on it. DC Pride, Tim Drake special number one from DC Comics, written by Megan Fitzmartin, art by Bellin Ortega and Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. This is, I believe, a collection of short stories that have already been published, both in Batman, Urban Legends, and other things but it's following Tim Drake's own coming out story as bisexual, uh, meeting a guy, introducing him to Stephanie Brown, going on some adventures at the same time. So you may have read this stuff before, but it's nice to see it all in order in one issue. And overall, this is a a fun Tim Drake story. Justin, what did you think about this one? Um, I love the Tim Drake character. I feel like when... uh he came out as bisexual. It was, I only heard outrage. It felt like everyone, (laughs) only the story was everyone was mad about it. And then no one talked about it anymore. So I especially appreciate that they collected this and was like, Hey, look, here's, here's what's going on. Forget all that junk that everyone was talking Mm -hmm. about when it came out. Um, So this is, this is great. I thought. Well, and uh, just to real quick before you say something, Pete, I also feel like the John Kent announcement overshadowed all of that to the point where, when I read this, I was like, oh, oh, right. Also, Tim Drake. OK, yeah. <laughs> there we go. But go ahead, Pete. I was just going to uh, do a stupid bit where I was like, no, no, I was mad. I was mad at you. Uh, no. OK. Right. Well, happy pride, Pete. Happy. Pride. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that uh, this is a uh, really great story. Some cool art. Bernard seems nice. I'm liking it. Um, yeah. You know, it's nice when you can have somebody you can fight shoulder to shoulder with. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when the shit goes down, if you can kind of rumble with somebody and they got your back. I mean, what more do you want in life? And um, there's some fun Stephanie Brown stuff at the end here as she yeah. meets Bernard and accepts him unequivocally. Oh, that so. was adorable. Yeah, absolutely adorable. She couldn't keep it together. It was so great. I loved it. Spoilers the best. Yeah. Next up, Seven Sons, number one from Image Comics, written by Robert Windham and Kelvin Mao, art by Jay Lee. This takes place in a world where there are seven saviors who were born, potentially, to save the world. Six of them seemingly have died, and one of them is going to, I guess, bring across some sort of rapture-type situation is going to go on. I will say this book uh, was a little confusing in the same way that I find most religions a little confusing. Because I was like, wait, what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed – is he – is he the Holy Ghost? So um, I agree with you, Alex. I did think it was interesting. They made a point in this book to say two-term president Jimmy Carter. Did mm. anyone else think that was a little strange? Yeah, well, Jimmy Carter was also there and looking pretty healthy. So clearly this is an alternate timeline than our timeline. It, it, agreed. It's just crazy to pin <laughs> your timeline on Jimmy Carter, right? <laughs> to be like, yes. I got a sci-fi take for you. Jimmy Carter wins twice. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, that's what I, I was so weird to me. Yeah. Stuck what, what is this? Seven peanuts? You yeah, know, good, 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 Thanks. good. Because he had a peanut farm. Peanut farm. Yeah. Famously, uh, he gave it up mm-hmm. because he uh, was divesting himself of his yeah. peanut. Everybody brought that up in relation to one of the previous presidents. I don't remember which one, but the one that didn't divest anything. Yeah. Mm. Obama. Okay. 
<laughs> Probably Obama. Probably Thanks, Obama. Obama. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> what just happened? Jay Lee's art is always reliably great. I don't, to be honest, think this is his strongest work. It's a little more abstracted than some of his oh, previous wow. stuff. But I still thought, or I always love looking at what he is doing. This is very weird. It feels like it finally gets to the concept at the end here. So I'm curious to check out the second issue. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Next. Yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to <laughs> jump in here and talk about this comic. Uh, this is creepy as fuck. Like, mm. really fucking creepy shit. The art, you mean? Yeah, or- the art, the style, the whole, like, eye, floating eye with guns around it. Like, this is some creepy fucking shit, man. Uh, yeah, I couldn't get into this. I kept trying, and I was like, no, these, this freaks me out too much, man. I, I can't do this. So I walked away from this a couple of times, but I made it through... Uh, I don't know, man. If you're into like cults or like weird glazed over looking people, then maybe you'll like this. But oh. this was creepy as fuck, man. I love a glaze. Yeah, you love a good glazed? Yeah, on my donuts and my people. Um, I, people <laughs> donuts doing a lot of... all day, people know. Interesting. Uh, you are standing up and walking away from your desk a lot this week, it seems like. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Getting you your, steps your steps in. in. You... Oh, boy. <laughs> there you go. I am. I'm. And I'm trying to keep that up. Leadership, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starfleet Leadership Academy. It's ongoing mission to develop leaders through Star Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. A leadership development podcast told through the lens of Star Trek. The Starfleet Leadership Academy. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number one from Marvel, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Carmen Carnero. In this issue, Captain America is trying to live a normal life, just trying to be a regular dude, but he's Captain America, so he can't do that. And ultimately, he gets embroiled to a new mystery that may go all the way back to his origins by the end of this issue. This, to me, is very purposefully trying to... Echo is probably the wrong word, but sort of call on Ed Brubaker's run on the title. It felt very reminiscent of that. But I would say favorably reminiscent because I really enjoyed this a lot. I thought this was a really good Captain America story with some good characterization. And it definitely does the whole retcon thing, but does it very well. Yeah, I agree with that. This, um, it was definitely like one of those, I feel like there are a ton of Captain America books like this where it's like, we're going to reset. He's going to move into a new apartment and still feel out of time. This one is a little different in these taking a nude uh, drawing class, mm-hmm. uh, which I was like, Cap, okay. Well, that ties into his history. I'm sure you guys remember this. Maybe all of our listeners don't. But there was a period of time where Captain America was a comic book artist working for Marvel Comics oh, during right. the Captain America comics. Yeah. Which is S- fucking smart weird. Choice. That's I mean, crazy. Write, write what you know. <laughs> yes. Draw what you know. I guess. Uh, Talk but about a vanity hire. I did really uh, but, like these new characters. I thought we were going to go for this thing of like, oh, and then he becomes hero on the street and he's fighting alley crime or whatever, you know, until like Hydra moves in or something like that. But clearly there's something much bigger going on here. Um, and I like that part, too. I think this okay. does a- a great job of setting up what's going to happen for him. I'm just a little nervous about it because it seems like it could be some fucked up shit. And I'm just kind of like, listen, man, like I just had Captain America, you know, go through some shit that was a little rough. Like let's not turn around and then put it through another meat grinder of emotion. So, uh, well, I, I don't think, I mean, this is going to get into spoilers here, but I don't think they're going to put Steve through the meat grinder emotions. It looks like they're putting Bucky through the meat grinder yeah. emotions here by the end. And that guy's been through a lot, too. Oh, mm-hmm. man, sure has. The Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, number three from DC Comics, written by James Tynion the Fourth, art by Lissandro Esteren and Francesco Francavilla. In this issue, our main character is escaping from... Oh. Two merciless nightmare killers who are after Jesus her, and she keeps running into people with mouth eyes or eating things with their eyes and licking things from their eyes and stuff like this. And Pete loves it, right? Is that yeah, what Pete, I'm give us your take. Give us your nightmare country. This Walk is us a into your nightmare inside of a nightmare while you're having a nightmare, and then you wake up and you realize it's still happening. 
this is so creepy. Those characters in that fire uh, were dealing with so much fucked up shit. I, I just can't get over how scary and intense this is. I mean, damn, just damn. And like, I love the little ad for Teeth Whitener there at the beginning. Um, this is this is creepy AF, and uh, I, I had I could read it, but man, uh, it's really intense. Really, this one was less scary than Jay Lee. Yeah, uh, interesting. Um, Did you I like start was... to stand up and then sat back down again? I kind of you know I moved around in my seat a little bit. I had to readjust. <laughs> okay. Uncomfortable. Yeah, very physical comic book reader. Because yeah. I, I found this to be much more sort of. You creepy. guys remember when we would all read next to each other? You would get mad because I would yell and lose my shit. Yeah, yeah. You got ants in your pants. You get involved. Uh, you get emotional. It's yeah. a good place to be, Pete. It's great <laughs> to be emotional. Great to feel your emotions. Uh, first, I want to shout out the cover to this book, which is oh man, awesome. Yeah. Uh, depending on which one you got, the one I'm talking about is um, the Corinthian feeding a piece of steak to his <laughs> eye mouth, his upstairs mouth. Love it. The um, old upstairs mouth. The old upstairs mouth. <laughs> that's what I call it. Um, <laughs> that's when, see, that's a, the thing. Pete, when you stopped all that, those surgeries to pick up this comic book earlier, I was like, I'm getting eye uh, mouths put into my eyes later this mm-hmm. week. And I just don't want that to happen when I'm uh, doing that. Pip, don't slip. And I know what you're thinking. How would you get teeth that are small enough to fit your eye? And the answer is uh, they're bat teeth. I'm putting bat teeth in my eyes. Oh, I thought you were going to say baby Baby teeth. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's fucked up. You guys are fucked up. Squirrel's teeth or something. Squirrel's teeth. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to collect squirrel teeth. I don't know how many teeth squirrels have. One of my favorite things is when I'm walking through the park in the middle of the day and you look at a squirrel, the squirrel just smiles at you with a big yeah. toothy squirrel smile. A little sparkle. Yeah. yeah. I, I, what's crazy for me is my backyard, I have a squirrel dentist. So all the other squirrels oh, are always coming wow. by and getting their teeth worked out. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, like too many, too many sweet acorns. That's nuts. <laughs> oh, Get out of here. Got a million of them. Anyway, I also love this book. I think um, James Tynan is really uh, – he, he can't miss right now, so I love that he's been put on something that is so fun and using characters that I've loved for many years. I'm just happy to see Pip. You know, It's been a long time, and uh, it's nice to see This is still. Justin's dog is what Pete's talking about. Yeah, still, past. Pip doesn't slip. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. still – you know. Yeah. Got to give a little context there. Undiscovered Country, speaking of context, Undiscovered Country, Destiny Man, one shot from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder and Charles Saul, art by Giuseppe Camincoli and Leonardo Marcello Grassi. This is a one shot telling the origin of the Destiny Man, the big bad of Undiscovered Country. Um, I have a question for both of you. Oh, boy. Did I miss an issue of Undiscovered Country or does this take place somewhere else in the timeline of the book? And the reason I ask that is because we start with the Destiny Man unmasked. We see his face, and he's with one of the characters. And I feel like I missed an issue here. I don't think so. I think at the end of the last arc, um, there was a, all the characters were very separated, and I think okay. these two were put together. All right. Maybe I did forget that then. But we do jump back. We see his origin. We find out a lot more about the world of the book. Pete, what did you think about this one? Just as creepy as Nightmare Country? Well, no, I mean, this, I really love the art on this book. Some really cool character designs. It's, you know, interesting, creepy, but not like scary, creepy. It's very creative, creepy. Uh, But I also felt like I would have loved this before the book started. (laughs) Um, uh, Just because it would have kind of given us a little context to uh, the world before we jumped in. Uh, But man, just... um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have made sense, but I still would have liked a little bit more. I mean, this is this is very much one-to-one, but this reminded me quite a bit of Scott Snyder's Blacktop Bill special that came out with oh, Terra, yeah. where it was the same thing, doing a backstory of this big villain for the book, uh, finding out a lot more about him. Um, I really like this. I thought this was a good story that they told here. It's obviously important information you need to know for Undiscovered Country. It did drive home one thing that... Bugs me is probably too strong, but something that I feel like has been lacking a little bit in Undiscovered Country that I understand why they made this choice here, but at the same time, it diminishes the stakes, which is that this global 
the plague, pandemic, whatever it is, I think it's called the blue in the book. That is the whole reason they went back into America to begin with, which they reference here quite a bit. We don't get to see what it does to anybody. Like we haven't seen it. The impression we've had of the outside world is the outside world is the outside world. And America is this crazy place where insane things are happening. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we need to, or at least I need to understand the weight of like, what is this doing to people that it makes it so necessary to be going through America, which seems to be the worst place imaginable. You know, that's that's true. Well, I mean, we are getting clues to that, I think, in yeah. this book, um, like uh, walking the spiral, I, I think is what it's called here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think this is just a first touch on because what I like about this book in the, uh, the rest of the story so far, it's very much outsider characters looking in. And we're mm-hmm. just seeing little bits and pieces and we're we're left at the end of an issue to be like, okay, I think I've made sense of this, this, and this. Or in this area, all all the creative people are, and that's why everything is, like, wild and insane all the time. So to be able to see from an inside character looking out, uh, or looking around anyway, I really appreciate that perspective in this story, and I'm looking forward to more of that or more of our main character sort of being inside America long enough to, to be able to make sense of it for themselves so that we can make sense of it a little bit easier. Wolverine number 22 for Marvel written by Benjamin Percy art by Adam Kubert in this issue Deadpool and Wolverine are teaming up to track down danger who's gone a little cuckoo bananas yeah and in the process they have a big fight throughout Las Vegas Wolverine keeps cutting Deadpool into smaller and smaller pieces over the course of the issue Pete, how'd you feel about this one yeah I mean as Deadpool says they're such a fun odd couple those two uh, just really fun madcap to see them bounce off of each other and Wolverine try to deal and keep slicing them up. So, I mean, it's just, it's fun. Uh, it's great art. Uh, it's kind of a crazy setup. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really having a lot of fun with it. I think it's uh it's very enjoyable, uh, really over the top and, uh, and, and uh, h- hilarious at moments too. It's good to see Wolverine having a little fun. You know, I feel like this character, another character we're going to talk about in a little bit, don't have as much fun, and I miss those times. Um, I also thought it was, and the the, pairing him with Deadpool, the escape from the prison cell by cutting um, Deadpool up, reminded me of a joke I heard when I was a kid, I think, similar uh, content. Um, is how to escape from prison. Uh, I also thought it was strange uh, the the character Maverick. You think that is that mm-hmm. a Top Gun two tie in? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. There was great, also great there time. was the character Cocktail showed up. Yeah, yeah. and the character Risky <laughs> Business. There's yeah. two O's and Goose. Mm. Uh, nice. Uh, one one other. Thing. I feel like Maverick's one of those characters that is big Marvel trading card energy. Like <laughs> I haven't seen him since the X-Men trading cards. Wow. And I, I back then I was like, this guy's cool. This guy's like <laughs> sort of a rip off of grifter, even though Maverick probably came first, uh, but still cool. And then no actual character associated with that tiny rectangle that I collected for so long. <laughs> Next up, Superman. It. Worth it. Son of Kal-El, number 12, from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by C. and Torme. In this issue, the fight against the Rising continues as, I was about to say, Kal-El John uh, finds out some secrets, clashes with Lex Luthor, and there's a big revelation at the end here. This book continues to be great, I think. I, I agree. This is just really fun, very cool, interesting, and it's nice to see them being like, all right, this is a new take on Superman. How is he going to deal with these new, these issues and what's going on? So interesting use of media in this kind of form like this to camcorders. Uh, yeah, get get the uh, if you will. Uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with this. This is great. Crypto getting some action in this book. Oh yeah, um, I, I think it's funny that um, this uh, new Superman is like, well, we got to get him a bald um supervillain uh henry bendix and then they're like you know what I'll throw luther in there too let's have him face off <laughs> yeah, against all the baldies you know I mean? uh yeah luther in. why not uh, but i agree with you alex this book is so good i feel like it's really 
on the sort of in the winner circle now like it yeah. knows it's con it's it's confident yeah. in its power it knows its spot and now it's just moving the covers are so good the stories yeah. have both the action we want the heart and this character uh, in John Kent of like a superman that is somehow even brighter and more like uh, like inspiring than even uh, his dad so uh, it's great Great stuff. Next up, let's talk about a non-inspiring superhero in Radiant Black, number 15, from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins and Alex Siegel, art by Eduardo Ferragato and Marcelo Costa. In this issue, Radiant Black finds out about a fan film that is being made about him and gets super pissed off about it and wants to become involved. Very fun issue that also has some big ramifications for what's going on in the title as a whole and leads up to a potential big supervillain team up. Um, I had a lot of fun reading this issue as I always do. My one bummer, and this is pulling back the, uh, the curtain a little bit. This is pitting radiant black against blaze, who I believe is a fictional superhero in the world of the book, basically like their version of a Superman type character. And midway through the, book, there is a QR code that you can scan. And because we read it in advance, it's not working yet. So if you are listening to this by this point, it should be working. So hopefully there's something fun it links to. So check it out. I'm fingers crossed. I'm hoping they actually made a fab film for this, but we'll see what happens. Wow. Just going to bat for the QR code. code. Love a QR code. Miss Marvel. Show it off. Yeah. Uh, you can get a free Miss Marvel comic book. Moon Knight. You can get a free Moon Knight comic book. Uh, if you have mm-hmm. QR codes, you must love going to any restaurant, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, man. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, I like this Raid in Black as well. Uh, we talk about this as one of those rare books that sort of feels like uh, they've made their Spider-Man and they're really mm-hmm. building out the universe around the character. Except this Spider-Man is, is, can be sort of a dick. He's sort of a dicky Spider-Man, uh, which... The fact that it's successful and we still root for him, I think, is really cool. And I really like the friendship. Um, it would be so easy to play our two Radiant Blacks uh, off of each other. The, yeah. um, the the kid who lost his powers and was, like, really messed up because of it. Uh, but they're actually, like, still friends and they're, like, working together on, in their different capacities. So that's that's really great. Uh, yeah, you bring up a great point. I think one of the great things about this book is the choices that it continues to make. They're they're very original choices, cool choices that uh, you know take these characters that we've kind of seen before and do different things with them to make it feel uh, uh, unique and different. Um, but yeah, it, it continues to be amazing art and really cool. This is kind of like the Jane by. Jay and Silent Bob strike back issue where, you know, they find out people are, you know, there's, uh, you know, licensing issues and things are happening without their okay. So they got to get to the bottom of it. You know what I mean? Hey, little update. The QR code is actually working now. It is, in fact, a five and a half minute long animated short pitting Radiant Black versus blaze that is wow. very okay. well, Alex, me and, doing uh, the due diligence yeah me and justin will take it from here uh, we'll kill five yeah, minutes yeah, I'll, I'll be it. back in five and a half minutes yeah, after yeah, yeah, go ahead. cool oh, i just thought you might have some other qr codes you wanted to scan <laughs> randomly. oh all over the place it's crazy yeah. none of them oh were God. working up until now uh but that's super fun i'm glad they did that um one of my very stupid pet peeves is when you watch a tv show or a movie or something like that and they're like here's the website or the Instagram account. And then you go there and it's not working or it's some random dude or something like, like that. Don't forget yeah. to drink your Ovaltine. You're like, ah, oh. exactly. yeah. And you exactly. keep so your letters to um, your Senator and Congress people are, that's all. That's no the biggest who... issue we have going on in America right now. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi season two, number four from DC comics written by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker art by Jamal Campbell. In this issue, it is all going down as Naomi finally reunites with her lost Thangarian and finds out some big secrets about herself, leading to a final battle that might, well, probably will change things forever. According to David F. Walker, who we had on the show a couple of months back. So what did you guys think about this issue and everything that goes down here? I mean, this continues to be great. I'm glad we're getting more and more with this character. This is really building. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the twists and turns it's taking. I love the action. Uh, story's getting better. And uh, the art is the real hero here. I mean, the great mix of different styles. 
Um, uh, it's really impressive. Yeah, this has a art. Speaking about the art, it reminds me a little bit of uh, the great Green Lantern series um, that we were uh, reading. We like went to bat for so much by um, N.K. Jemison, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and I have been uh, not. I didn't love the earlier uh, Naomi stuff, but I this season two book I have been loving. I think it's really good. I feel like it's got the character in less of a having to prove herself constantly be like, I'm part of the justice league. This is very much like a real story. That's about her getting to the actual issues in her life. And I really like that. Slumber number four from image comics written by Tyler Burton Smith art by Vanessa Cardinale. In this issue, our main character thinks for a moment that she has found the nightmare creature she's been going after. Turns out there's a bunch of twists and turns here, and we're leading up to, I believe, the end of this miniseries or this arc. But I I love this book. I love the creativity of this book. I love the yeah. sort of caustic nihilism that goes on here Ooh. in terms of this character being like, ah, none of this. This is all terrible. Everything's Somebody's terrible. using the... Uh... Ten cent uh, words. Great stuff. And Vanessa Cardinale's designs for all the characters are so much fun. Um, I'm having a blast reading about this book. Reading this book, excuse me. What about you guys? Reading about this book? Wait, what are you reading? What are you yeah. even reading, Alex? Uh, a lot of supplementary material. I don't want to get into it. Go ahead. Wow. Um, I agree. I like this book a lot. I think the way it uh, slips between the dream world and the regular world and there's sort of action going on in both is really fun. The character designs are are cool. It reminds me of um, a little bit of some of the arcs of The Dreaming, the book that sort of was the spinoff that ran uh, in Vertigo for many years. Um, I spin off of the Sandman that ran in uh, as a Vertigo book for a long time. Um, so I, I love that. And I think this is uh, right in line with that. I, yeah, I, I agree. The, the art is unbelievable here. It's a, it's bananas. Good. I mean, the, the character designs, the paneling, the storytelling with the art is just fantastic. I mean, you don't feel that last page reveal if it's not the art that kind of grabs you there. So um yeah, it's uh, it's creepy in all the right ways and creative in all the right ways. And it, really, this story's kind of grabbed you and doesn't let you go. So it's a heck of a ride. Wonder Woman 788 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad and Jordi Belair. Art by Enmala, uh, Manuela Lupicito and Paulina Ganeshaw. In this issue, the League of Villainy is taking on Wonder Woman directly. And in the backup story, Wonder Woman is sneaking out of her house to party and it doesn't go particularly yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is great. This is so much fun. I... Uh, and kind, I, I liked parts of the trial of the Amazon story, but I'm so glad we're back to this thing with Dr. Sisko. The yeah. satire that they're doing in terms of men's rights movements and everything is so precise and so yeah, good. The Milkmen. Oh, my God. It's great. Love yeah. it. So good. So darkly funny. I'm very impressed with this book. I agree completely, especially what you said about the trial of the Amazons and moving back into this. And I think it's a testament to um, everyone who works on this book right now that this does feel like Wonder Woman status quo. And the book hasn't been running that long with with all of these characters. You know, it started um, with the um, uh, the where Wonder Woman died and went through all the different mythological eras. But uh, ever since Becky Cloonan and um, uh, Michael Conrad took over, like, I've just been loving the way they were like, let's get a little bit out of the normal Wonder Woman comfort zone, establish that as a status quo and just start there and tell interesting stories. And I think that's really working uh, for me. Yeah, I'm having a great time with this as well. The only thing that is bugging me is just like, I want them to deal with Dr. Psycho already. Like the fact that like they keep just kind of showing him and, uh, uh, I don't think he's that like all powerful. So I really want him to be taken down a, a peg or two. Uh, but other than that, I, other than being frustrated with the villain still winning. Uh, that makes ha- sense because villains are, are bad. Yeah. Frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's very frustrating. It's really Famously bad. But yeah. Huh. I mean, Pip, Pip knows what I'm talking about, but I, I just think it's one of those things where, uh, uh, it's the art's great and everything else that's happening is is a ton of fun. So uh, they are killing it. 
Eight Billion Genies, number two from Image Comics, written by Charles Soule, art by Ryan Brown. This issue, we're dealing with the ramifications of Eight Billion Genies joining Eight Billion People and giving each of them a wish. We find out a lot more about the rules in this issue of how the world is going to work going forward, as well as getting to see a bunch more wishes. I think we all dug the first issue of this book. What would you think about the second? Yeah, this is really cool. We're getting to know a little bit more about the bartender who did the smartest move ever early on. And I'm glad that the people in the comic are smart enough to be like, hey, how the fuck did you know to do that? So, like, I'm glad (laughs) that they're kind of on the reader's side a little bit. But this is very creative and really intense and over the top. Uh, But, man, the art is phenomenal. And this is such an interesting, cool story. Uh, and I even love the populations that we get at the beginning of each issue. This is fun and continues to be. Pete, you strike me as the kind of guy who, like the bartender in the book, wakes up and says, I don't want anybody's wishes affecting where I live. All That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Shut them down. You fucking um, keep your wishes outside my bar. Uh, this is I agree. This book is really fun. It feels like I mean, the premise is so big and uh, precise and. The, I feel like Charles Soule is like meticulous. I mean, he, his background, if you don't know, he's a lawyer for many years. He has that meticulous um, nature and he blends it in with his uh, storytelling. And you can tell that he has thought this out to the nth degree and oh, is yeah. really ready to and excited to play it out. I have a theory I want to throw at you guys. Like you mm-hmm. said, Pete, this bartender, as soon as the genies appeared, was like, I don't want wishes to affect this bar. Right. Do you think this has happened before and he's been through this before? It almost seems like it. Because let me Uh, throw this out to you. What if this has happened and his wish, his last, he saved his wish. And after all, whatever trauma and horrible things happened to the earth, he was like, I wish none of this happened. I wish we could go back to the moment this happened in living. Oh, yeah. I I I wish we could do that over again. Do this all over again. Very interesting. But. The I just want to talk to you guys about the genies, like how creepy are they? And the fact that they're like really sparse with the information, you got to use a wish to find out their evil plan. Ryan Brown's art on the genies, though, and his design, so much fun. I love the design, how each genie is their own particular thing. They're almost like, I don't know, sprites in a uh, a, a video game or something like that. Very, very fun. Really enjoyed that. I also wanted to give a shout out to... The president here is the president from Letter 44, which is another book that oh, Charles nice. Soule wrote that also, I think, turned up in curse words that Charles yeah. Soule and Ryan Brown did before, though I'm not 100% sure. So, well, Easter eggs. Yeah, very fun little Easter egg there. But great book. I'm very excited to see where this is going to go. Would you uh, rather these yeah. genies, you're scared of the genies, you just don't, you just wish they were the genie from Aladdin? Well, I just, uh, you know, the genie firm, Aladdin's hoping you're going to let him free at the end. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that deal, but I don't understand what they're getting out of this. And them saying, like, it's fun to watch you guys fuck up. Is well, that's really the whole thing out. is they're like, we're not going to tell you why we're doing this yet. Yeah. We just like to yeah. watch. It's like, oh, so that's the secret coming down the road. Very fun. That's fun. Well. Pete, and when you say the genie from Aladdin, you, of course, mean Will Smith. <laughs> nope. Ha ha. That's so, Will Smith. Come on. So. Uh, Robin Williams, baby, come on. Rest in yeah. peace, baby. Hey, hello. Oh, hey. Uh, what do you want to do for a wish? Huh? Ooh, <laughs> Jimmy Carter. Ooh. Hey, two term. Okay, that's your wish. Bye. <laughs> the Jurassic League number two from DC Comics, written by Juan Gideon and Daniel Warren Johnson, art by Juan Gideon. This is following the formation of a bunch of dinosaurs who have the power of the Justice League, fighting a bunch of villains. Who are also dinosaurs, but have the powers of the DC villains. So lots of wild stuff going on here. Pete, take it away. Hell to the motherfucking yeah, this comic rocks. I mean, come on. That last page. Oh, oh, oh man. Uh, just really uh, so much fun. I was kind of like a little bit worried about like all the intros we were getting from all the different characters. But then when it came to Wonder Don come flying in on an invisible pterodactyl, I was all fucking in. And uh, I cannot wait for more. This is just so much bananas fun. Would you say it's worth it for the dinosaurs alone? Yeah, it's worth mm. for the dino nuggets. All the dino nuggets you can eat. <laughs> the, wow. Yeah. The, ar- the artosaurus alone. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this book 
while I love its current form, should really, if you want to enjoy it, should be doodled in an earth science textbook. Oh, um, come on, while man. By someone who's not enjoying their <laughs> Don't class. Don't try to sh- take this it's down. It's not a shit. Pe- that's not a shit. I'm saying this is like one of those, like, I don't care what I'm doing. Let me this just, like, have my- some freewheeling fun with stuff I like, like dinos and Superman. Th- this uh, wait, 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 wait. I, I, this is one of my favorite Superman of all time here. I love the Superman. Yeah. Wow. The dinosaur Superman? Yes. Super Manalodon or whatever he is? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll tell you what, Pete. I'm going to hold you to that. Good. (laughs) Uh, Let me just say one other thing. I was just going to back you up, Justin, that this book feels like play. Like they're playing around. It's very fun in terms of that. Everything is on this line of when they mention a character's name, I'm like, is this Captain Carrot? Like, is this Captain Carrot style? Is that what we're doing here? It's like Peter Porker. And it's kind of like that, but also more serious and more. Serious. Uh, well, but it's, and it's more awesome because of Juan Gideon's art and the way that he's doing it. It's very fun. Yeah, if you're not, if you're not reading this, the art is really cool. And you know, what, it took me a minute to think of it, but it reminded me of um, the Max, Sam Keith's yeah. The Max mm-hmm. from back in the day, uh, yeah. especially the, the beginning um, mm-hmm. was very. Uh, very in that style, a little more fun and like um, fighty than the Max, uh, but it's very cool. Last but not least, let's move to our request for the week. Again, this is from Jollyman444, who wanted to know whether he's crazy or thinks this is truly a hidden gem. And we're talking about Batman Universe from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Nick Darrington. This is a collection of the books that were released previously at Walmart. So what do you guys think? Is uh, is he crazy or no? No, he's not crazy. Pete, not crazy. Take I it think, away. I think this was uh, a lot of fun. I was impressed with uh, the character moments that we got in this. It was fun to see Green Arrow interact with Batman and then Green Lantern and then Nightwing and Alfred, for that matter. We got inside Batman's head a lot. It was really cool i uh i mean i felt like the batman had itself a sense of humor a little bit more than normal but i was having too much fun to care and also jonah hex was a little bit more humorous and topical than he normally is uh with his asking for a friend joke but whatever I, i i think this had amazing art epic panels the fighting sequence through the submarine panels was amazing there were epic smash pages and uh, unbelievable last panel that, uh, yeah, I mean, just, it was, uh, it, you know, it was kind of bend to see at times, but I thought it moved really well. Uh, real quick, just to give an idea of the plot. So this is Batman is solving a mystery involving the Riddler that continues blowing out further and further as he goes. Ultimately, he ends up traveling through time and apropos of the title, the universe, as he solves the mystery and comes to the end here. Justin, what did you think of this one? I also like this, and it's funny to me, I had to check the date on when this came out, 2019, because this feels more like classic Bendis, like back like 10 years or so, when it felt like he was having a little bit more fun with his comic book work and um, letting the characters just play. Like it feels a bit effortless. It reminds me also of Darwin Cook's work, not just Mm -hmm. the art, but also the writing. Um, because it's a Batman who does have a sense of humor, who's like, this is ridiculous when he's fighting a, a bunch of stuntmen, when Green Arrow's showing up and all this stuff is happening. Like, and it happens fast. It happens Batman loves like, dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's one in his cave. And yeah. it was not easy to bring it into. Can you ever move something into a cave? Got to make oh, sure it fits man. in well, the mouth. I, I want to throw out a couple of theories at you guys, because I agree with you. I thought this was really great. I was very glad to read this. This was a lot of fun. And I, I hadn't. I don't think any of us had read this before. No, right? absolutely not. We also we missed Tom King's book. He wrote a Superman story that was in these Walmart books as well. And uh, I don't know. There's not a Walmart near me, so I didn't I have don't a particular have Walmart, reason so yeah. to pick it up or anything like that. I but live in a Walmart. I think I part of the reason at least this story works is, one, because of the page count. So it's Wait, not yeah. Bendis necessarily filling out like 20 pages of something. It's I, the Chapters definitely seem shorter. I don't know if they're 8 pages, 12 pages, 14 pages, but they're definitely shorter than the regular 20 to 22 pages of a comic book. So I think that's part of it. But also, I think the prospectus here was going for a Walmart audience, people who were not like, 
I'm going for the overall continuity of the DC universe, and I'm trying to write towards Dark Crisis and the big stuff that's going on with Young Justice and all of these other things. So much as like, oh, what is this? This is a magazine about Superman. I'll pick that up. You know, right, like well, I think that's the idea there. And in this case, it works because he's just doing like, what's cool about the DC universe? Batman having a Western adventure with Green Lantern. That's fun. And that's yeah. all that we get here. And it ends up honestly being better than a lot of the stuff that he's done in the main DC universe, frankly. Agreed. Thank wait, you. wait, wait, wait. We got to talk about this. You said you lived in a Walmart and somehow you missed a Walmart exclusive <laughs> Batman book? Like, how the fuck were you just in home I... goods the whole time? How the fuck did you miss that? Sorry, Alex did the right thing by ignoring that I said that. <laughs> B, I did live in home goods, and there's a lot of stuff to get through there. I yeah. had to make plug in I all know, my that's why I from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil Lee Frankweiler. It's like that, but instead of the Museum of Modern Art, it's on Walmart. Wow. wow. Same thing in my mind. <laughs> and that's our museum of Batman museum universe. of modern mart yeah um, no, i mean we, we covered the book i think the book is more of the work that i think we want bendis to be doing a b it's a batman that i'm ready to see more of in the mainstream dc universe yes yeah, so thank you for the suggestion you're not crazy we appreciate it if you'd not like to make crazy. your own or we're all crazy possibly. oh fuck Leave that. a rating and a comment over on Apple Podcasts, and that. we will get to them. We have a couple stacking up, but we love to get your suggestions. It's been so much fun to read these so far. And if you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Pete, stay at your desk for a change. Never. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.